Okay, it sounds like the sound is working correctly, finally, after having some difficulty with my microphone and trying to be a sound wizard and record on my own on my laptop. I'm really gonna have to get like a sound person to help me set all of these wires up um, so I can get better sound and you know have uh, a better product for our listeners here um so this morning uh i got about an hour of sleep um you know my internal clock woke me up around i would say about five o'clock in the morning and i went to sleep around like three thirty. so the reason i've been up so early is because it's one of those moments where you want to say something, there's something in the back of your mind, you want to, um, the, the, the itch to create, the itch to express is there. So I had to wake up early, I couldn't continue snoozing, I had to get up and um, speak on what's going on in the world right now. Uh, a lot of times in the news, you'll hear people say, the you know, they'll, they'll mention the times we're living in as historic, even though all of the all of the time is historic. Time is historic, in essence. You know, by definition, it's historic. But th- this period that we are living through right now is something that is going to be referenced, uh, and is going to be the framework for what is going to come after this, similar to. 9-11, uh, all of the events that came after 9-11 were always framed in, you know, the post 9-11 world that we lived in, or the post Vietnam era world that we lived in. These moments in time that define the age that comes after. And that's really what we're living in right now. Uh, with the one with the pandemic, and uh, the fallout of the pandemic and the results of it, you know, that, that have kind of snowballed. It's had a snowball effect, not just on the amount of people that have died. That's a snowball of its own. But then you have all of the other economic fallout, the other social and political fallout of it. Um, the most impactful outcome of the coronavirus period, the post-COVID period, is what is happening now with all of the um, mass protest, mass demonstrations happening around the entire country following the uh, murder of various Black people at the hands of law enforcement, at the hands of... um, white supremacy, white supremacists. Um, Most notably, George Floyd, the Minnesota man who was uh, choked out by a police officer on video camera uh, while onlookers were horrified um, by this police officer kneeling on his neck and asphyxiating him and, and murdering him on live video. As uh, along with all of these other on camera, all of this footage of black people being either threatened, like the man um, in the in Central Park in New York City, 
with the white woman that that theatrically tries to call the police on him and have them come in and, you know, uh, do what she knows the police will do to a black man who the who, who a white woman has has accused of something. And then other video, the Ahmad Aubrey in Georgia, the man who was taking a jog and hunted down by two white men, one of which was a police officer and murdered on on video, but uh, who were not arrested until two months after the fact, until after the video had surfaced. So there was no investigation. Um, and then all of the other facts that came out after the after they were arrested, that you know this was a former police officer and their connections with the um, the DA of that district and just the general corruption and the general racism in that part of Georgia, uh, and along the along the the pattern of a many great number of other black people who have been beaten and been um, murdered at the hands of police, victimized and, and all of that. And it begs the question, why is it that uh, this, this particular killing of George Floyd in Minnesota caused such, such outrage that it has sparked massive massive demonstrations and protests and rioting in certain places, looting in certain places, you know, to the level that has never been seen. You know, we can talk about the Vietnam era. We could talk about how they were protesting and we could talk about the Black Panther Party and, and some of the movements that were sparked back then and some of the leadership of, you know, Huey Newton and Angela Davis uh, you know, of Martin Luther King and, you know, the civil rights movement and then marching and all of that, that is dwarfed by the scale of, uh, of people going out into the street and protesting against the powers that be, you know, the, the, the people that are out there, uh, demonstrating in one way or another, all of, all of those previous, those previous times of, um, massive like social unrest are dwarfed by what we're seeing right now happening to the point where it's become international where you have all of these other countries experiencing their own like you know uh black lives matter you know uh george floyd you know but people who are aware of what's going on with george floyd or what happened with george floyd uh, um, and what's going on inside of the United States? This is this has gone international, in places like Germany and Paris, and you know you it's it's um, a sight to see. And the United States at this point looks like a police state. It looks no different than any third world country. Um, it looks like what I saw a year ago when we were protesting during the revolution in Sudan, which kind of started the same way. It really was sparked off by the same kind of thing where police were going in and they were um, attacking people in their homes. They were attacking people in the street for, for demonstrating against food gouging, food prices, bread prices. 
Um, and then that just kept escalating until the um, government had to be ousted because at that point, um, the vast majority of people were against the current um, state of power there, right? So th this situation is a little bit different, in my opinion, than what has happened before. I mean, it begs the question that black people have always been, they've always been targeted. They've always been um, not only the victims, they are the victims of white supremacy. You know, you'll have a white supremacist say something like black people kill other black people. or they're, They'll use, you know, phrases like black on black crime. Uh, and in a way to mitigate the system's hand in reproducing all of the violence that happens to black people, whether it's at the hands of other black people or whether it's the hands of the state or whether it's at the hands of white citizens. Um, it's always there's always been gaslighting. There's always been this this thing where they try to obscure what's going on and find other rationales so the general public does not have to deal with the reality that this is a deep-seated systemic problem that is interwoven into the fabric of this country, the fabric of, this, of, of the United States. So initially when George Floyd, I mean, what's interesting about, about the George Floyd murder is uh, all of the rationales are not there, the rationales for, for why this man had to die. Because in previous iterations of black people being murdered by police, there's always some sort of, uh, some, some reason that they give. Whether it's Amadou Diallo back in the 90s, I remember in New York City, I believe it was New York City, and you know, oh, he had a wallet. It looked like it looked like he had a gun, right? Tamir Rice, oh, he was playing with a gun, playing with a a uh, plastic toy gun on a playground. A little boy on camera, you know, being being blown away by a police officer that rolls up unannounced and just shoots this child uh, as they play in a in a, a country where open um, carry laws. People holding guns and this infatuation with guns is so prevalent, and it is it in a in a in a way it's it's this strange religious attachment to guns. Why is it then that a child can be murdered for having a fake gun, not even a real gun, when you at the same time uh, we have people walking around with military grade weapons into state houses into government houses and demanding to to return to work because of the virus right why is it that a black person can be murdered for having a fake gun but a white person can go up and and threaten the uh leaders you know the elected leadership of a state with semi-automatic and automatic weapons right um, the hypocrisy of all of it, you know, George Floyd, you know, the, the fact that he was complying and then, um, the police officer just continues to just slowly choke the life out of him in front of everyone. 
the fact that in initially when which I'll get back to but this this thing of they that they've sort of brushed under the rug the news of course brushes it under the rug because the news is in the business of getting eyeballs they're not in the in the business of like informing or giving people nuance they're trying to give people what they want it's like any other service it's it's like any other product really right we're just trying to give people what they want so what some people want is an excuse to not have to deal with the fact that George Floyd and other black people really it's not just George Floyd that's another that's another part of the the game that I'll, that I'll try to mention here but um George Floyd initially they wanted to say that um you know he had passed off a fake $20 bill right I don't know what the at, right now all of the facts in regards to that like don't make sense whether they found out later that it wasn't fake or um did he know that it was fake or not because apparently a lot of the money that's exchanged a lot of the counterfeit money that's exchanged is people don't know that it's fake so they'll take a $20 bill to a store and pay for it pay for whatever they're paying for and then nobody knows that it was counterfeit right and I guess in this situation, the the store owner had called the police, had looked at the counter the the bill, and d- decided that it was counterfeit, and therefore called the police. Right, which is layers upon layer of like, why did you have to call the police for one, right? Uh, why is it that you were so adamant and so diligent in checking to see the money, right? What was it about George Floyd? that made you want to check the money. It's like layers upon layers and the, the, the continuum of racism. Because racism doesn't exist in just like separate boxes. Like this is racism and this is not racism. Racism ex- exists on a spectrum. Racism is, is the, uh, the police officer choking the life out of him and killing him and murdering him on video. And racism is also the store owner calling the police for a fake $20 bill. And that's outside of the context of what's actually happening. That, and that seems to always be the, the out for a lot of um, these, these racists, really, is the lack of context when it comes to um, d- dealing with these problems. It's always looking at one one detail and then deciding that um this one detail is the you know is the kind of like reason for just not dealing with it at all so for example they'll say uh you know this person uh had drugs in his system i remember with rodney king right they said rodney king was he was high on pcp and he was all we don't even know if that's true or not but why do you have to even bring that up right like what is the function of that and the function of that is to give people the the you know it's like a mental trick to give people the uh permission not to care about what's going on to to find a rationale to just be like oh he deserved it right it's always this oh he deserved it mentality and 
what's what's going on with with or what happened with George Floyd and all of these murders that have been caught on camera of black people um is the hypocrisy is fully there and apparent and for everyone to see and there is no room for that sort of trying to obscure what's going on you know uh a police officer is holding him down he is not um resisting arrest which they can they can always decide what what constitutes resisting arrest and what doesn't constitute resisting arrest um you know the the man is, is laying on the ground and then the police officer is knowingly putting his weight onto his neck while everybody is telling him that you're killing him while George Floyd himself is begging for life and telling the the um the police officer that he is that he can't breathe right um which which is um you know reminiscent of what happened with uh Philando Castile I think which I think also happened in Minnesota I want to say I don't know if that was I think Philando Castile happened in Minnesota um there was also the gentleman in Staten Island, New York, that was also choked on live camera to death. The original I Can't Breathe, um, the, the I Can't Breathe label, right? Um, uh, the, the man who was accused of selling loose cigarettes. And that was the pretense for his murder also on camera that he was selling. You know, like, why is it that, why are these capital offenses for black people, you know? Why is it that a black person can be murdered on camera for less than a petty crime? Okay? Uh and then you have these these children uh or I'm sorry, the the child that walked in. I don't even know if he was a child. I don't remember, man. I'm sorry, but um Dylan Roof, the 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 massacre in the South Carolina church. Um why was he not murdered on camera? You know, there's a big to-do about like, oh, they took him to Burger King or whatever. But why was he not murdered? Why did why was he not murdered on camera? If if that is the standard uh to murder people for committing any crime because now you're dealing with just petty petty things, selling a loose cigarette, what does that even what is what is the uh statute on that? What you know? What is the legal recourse that the 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 law? You know, how many days in jail do you get for selling cigarettes? You know, uh, loose cigarettes. If it's against the law in New York City, is it a life sentence? Is it apparently it's it's a capital you know it's a capital case? But I digress, right? So my point is with um, George Floyd, that was. It was a moment because we had seen a kind of a build up to that because the the days prior we had seen several other instances of black people being threatened and black, and other black people that had been murdered um within this past month you know there was um the the woman uh, murdered in Louisville Kentucky I think that was actually after George Floyd in her own home uh but again all right so so back to 
what happened with George Floyd, everybody saw this on camera. And it's this bizarre murder porn. I haven't actually seen it. I've only I've only seen the photographs because I can't watch a person be choked to death. I think that sitting there and actually watching these snuff videos, it desensitizes people and it takes away from the level of empathy because then you end up getting used to it. You get used to seeing black people be murdered. I think that that also occurred in America because this is not the first time that we have seen uh, a black person be murdered on camera by police or otherwise, right? Uh, you know, there's this, there's this fascination with black violence, um, this, this strange voyeurism in white culture in America that is obsessed with seeing black people die and black people experiencing the, the most, you know, the most horrid suffering. Um, so everybody got to see this, this, this murder porn happen on camera and they were playing it. They play it like it's, you know, on the, on the discovery channel where they don't blur out, you know, uh, naked women because, you know, these aren't human beings. We're not going to blur them out, but, you know, we'll blur out Pamela Anderson, uh, and her husband's, you know, porn tape or whatever, you know, that I, that's a total, that's another thing, you know, um, but people are saying that, that this, you know, that George, the George Floyd murder is the reason for all of the upheaval that's been happening. I don't think that's true. I don't think, because what, what different, you know, what is different about it, right? Other than, yes, we've seen all of the, um, Le uh, the whole the whole thing with George Floyd. We've seen the entire video where the man is is killed on camera, um, but that's happened before. This is not the first time, and this is not the first time we've heard of it. There's been decades and decades, and every decade we have so many of these these um, events reported, and the ones caught on video are quite numerous as well. So, in my opinion. Um, the George Floyd murder is, was, was sort of the spark that lit up a pile of straws that had been just, you know, continually just, you know, shoveled and, and, and just kind of heaped on the backs of American society that, uh, prior to the coronavirus, we could have ignored what was happening or they could there there's you know some momentary outrage but for the level of outrage that has happened now where businesses are being looted and people have completely lost faith in the entire structures of you know all of the institutions of power right all of the institutions of government the reason is because you have a disease that has killed hundreds and thousands of people, a hundred thousand people in the United States up to this point, more than that, actually, it's probably a hundred and whatever. Every day we see 1,500 people die, and now it's normal to us. Um, uh, the the, the stay-at-home orders where everybody is, you know, in order to mitigate the spread of the virus, everybody has to stay home now. And then, you know, you have all of these 
massive amounts of unemployment happening and the complete uh the complete v- like void of government response to it in that you have unemployment insurance that is not being paid out to people amongst many other things you know the lack of any sort of governing um any any kind of uh governing competence it's been completely it's been completely exposed to be nothing paper thin because we follow all of these laws but then what is the what is the purpose of it if when there is a crisis there is no existing body that is there to protect society from these crises if these bodies the their their existence is predicated on putting more money in the pockets of the rich this is the this is the main issue is why is why should a person be a cog in the machine or be um believe in this in a system that has no interest in the development and upliftment of those people and on top of that is also actively uh detrimental to society when you have stay at home orders and social distancing which is reasonable all of these um you know all of these precautions but then at the same time you have no government support you have no financial support that um is due to people because they pay taxes and we don't have an issue paying money out to the military for you know all of the, uh, you know we don't have a problem paying out money to police departments uh, we don't have money paying we don't have a problem paying money to the institutions of government and not only that on top of it we don't have a problem giving billions hundreds of billions of dollars to prop up the stock market that the majority the vast majority of people in the United States do not have any role in the stock market the majority of people in the United States live hand to mouth they i read somewhere like the majority of of americans don't have $400 you know can't afford for for some sort of emergency financial issue um people are just living hand to mouth paying for rent paying for you know to to get to work cars there are no amenities um living in the united states if you're trying to save money and work your way up financially that is not a that is not like a a viable like process path there is no path to financial advancement um doing it in that in that fashion if you're not already rich if you did not already be born rich you know that following that path that that american society and institutions have have told people to follow right you know go go uh go to school get a job and you know work hard and uh everything will be all right apparently that's not how it works that's not that's not true at all um you know giving out money to the ultra rich 
in order to prop up this this market, quote unquote market, this quote unquote free market at that, um, that is like, you know, amorphous, right? It's something that is, we don't, we don't really know what it is. Like we don't, um, we don't really understand. There's nothing tangible about it, right? You know, stocks go up and stocks go down based on speculation. If I think uh, a company is coming out with like, you know, if I have some information that they're, that they have some new invention, um, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my money into it real fast so that when, once they announce that they've made this invention, everybody else is going to start investing in it because they think they're going to make a profit. So it's all based on if everybody else is going to put their money into it. It's, it's a Ponzi scheme, right? That's how a Ponzi scheme works. I'm going to put, I'm going to inflate the the price of these stocks because, you know, other people, um, by getting other people to put their money into it, right? And that's what the U.S. government did was to inflate these stocks by putting money in the hands of these already massive um, global conglomerates, you know, these airlines that keep needing to get bailed out. But even when they get bailed out, they end up firing their employees, you know, the global travel industry, of course, is like completely been, you know, shut down because of um, the COVID crisis and trying to mitigate the spread of the virus, of course, requires that people don't travel. So, but they're going to fire everybody, yeah, right? The industry, it may have shut down, but the owners of these companies, um, the these companies are owned by other companies. It's a shell game. It's like, it's like that uh i don't know what it's called but that that russian doll you know that that russian doll that has different layers each time you take a layer off there's another doll inside so um this is the issue here that the rich are the ones that are getting the financial support the rich are the ones that are that are experiencing socialism you know the the socialism that American media um, and American culture is oftentimes, you know, denouncing, you know, but but it's like rugged, rugged individualism for the rest of society, for the poorest in society. You know, this this pull yourself up by your bootstraps nonsense for poor people. But we don't have a problem giving money to people who already have mega yachts and islands to live on. And when the coronavirus happens, they can just isolate themselves in their billion dollar, million dollar mansions, you know, their their various properties, their money that is not in any of the banks here, the money that they put in um, offshore accounts in order to avoid paying taxes and avoid putting money back into the economy, right? <laughs> putting Putting resources back into the society to help you know, create some sort of level playing field to where a person who um, has the ingenuity and all of this nice talk that they always like to, to, you know, to bring out this, the opportunity, all these buzzwords, opportunity and ingenuity, right? All of this, all of these buzzwords. um, So that a person that has all of those things can, you know, work their way up to a better life. But that seems not to be the case at this point. 
And just to circle back around with what's what these black people illustrate, America um, has. Okay, let me let me uh, put this thought in better order, right? Black Americans illustrate what is the reality of America. Most other Americans live in a fantasy world where, you know, if you just work hard and you go to, um, you get good grades, you're going to get, you know, a good life. In the end, it's going to end, it's going to, you know, the, the process is going to lead you to a good life if you follow this path, right? Um, in contrast to that, black Americans do not experience that and have not experienced that. You know, they're not, black people are not an immigrant group. Um, they are the result of kidnap. People that were, who whose history has been completely wiped out and they've been here for 400 years, but then, you know, it begs the question, um, what, you know, the state of black people. This is a question that white supremacists as well as so-called allies question. You know, what? why is it that black people are in the state that they are in, in general? You know, why is it that uh, health crises like the coronavirus disproportionately impact black people? Why is it that they don't have hospitals? Why is it that um, they don't have access to health care? Why is it that, you know, the majority of black people in America live in food deserts where the only source of nutrition is a local um, corner store that sells, you know, processed food with high sugar and high salt and, you know, um, corn syrup and that sort of thing, Right. People looking in wonder, you know, what is what is wrong with what is wrong with black people? That's a lot of times the I think the knee jerk reaction to people that they 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 think very simply. Um, the question isn't what's wrong with black people. The question is, what is wrong with America? Why is it that in the the so called um, f- fabulously wealthy country, you have a in, an internal colony that exists, an internal um, segment of society that in certain ways is on the same level of poverty as a third world country. And in third, in some third world countries, you have that level of poverty, but you also um, don't have the compounding issue of, you know, drug addiction and alcoholism and uh, uh, obesity and high blood pressure and uh, crime and, you know, uh, did I say drug addiction, right? All, All of these, all of these other things that play a role in an increased level of black suffering and misery. So uh, looping it back to, again, what is going on in America today with all of these uprisings, you know, people call them riots because that's an easy thing to sort of brush to the side. 
calling uh, again it's it's using certain language in order to be able to kind of ignore it or to again be on the side of the status quo just to call things a riot you know um the reason why all of this is happening now is because everybody is living like how black people have lived for so long people you know your your average white citizen that didn't have any skin in the game has all of a sudden found themselves in a situation where they are out of a job they are out of health insurance they are in debt uh, their prospects for owning property, um, for, you know, just having a a life where you have some peace of mind. There are certain things that you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about where you're going to get your next meal. You don't have to worry about having a roof over your head. All of a sudden, these issues that have plagued black people in America are now impacting everyone. Um... So now you have these uprisings because black people only make up 13 to 15% of the population. Um, but now all of a sudden you have these huge rallies where cities are, you know, downtowns of cities are engulfed by people. Um, and then you have instances where these, these demonstrations turn into, you know... Um, or have have part of it be you know it's there's complexity here there's nuance uh and there's reasons for this but then you have rioting and then you have looting you know um when they bring up questions of looting and they ask you know why is it that people are looting this is a conversation that I've had with other people um and something that you see sometimes on news media that tries to draw attention away from the actual crisis that's happening, which is a an economic issue here. Economics would have fixed all of this. Like, let's say if everyone is in a financially safe place, then all of the all of these issues are are mitigated. Even the coronavirus crisis. All of, you know the problems that we have right now they're aggravated they're inflamed by the lack of economic equality economic uh equity let's say right the fact that a being rich makes it easier to make more money being poor makes it harder to make more money that is a problem right. And the way that that plays out and the way that, again, you know, the rich are able to manipulate the institutions of society in order to make the level, the, the playing field even less level, Be, making it so, making it so skewed that we're back in a state where, you know, people are just surviving as renters on somebody else's land, the same way that feudalism played out in Europe and other places right where people didn't own land they were at, they didn't they didn't even own themselves they belonged to the king so we're in a state where we have devolved back into a an economic system and a social system that is prior to 
prior to the United States, prior to capitalism, which, you know, is the religion of this country. You know, people will say that Christianity, you'll have these fundamentalist Christians talk about, you know, Christianity and, and, you know, bringing church back to school or all this nonsense. But um, even their interpretation of Christianity is a capitalist interpretation. You know, it's it's a very, very American capitalist version of Christianity. These these gospels, uh, these these um, prosperity gospels that talk about, you know, that wealth is somehow indicative of your 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 standing with God. Right. These preachers who have million dollar homes and cars and, you know, this is. All of, all of the jewelry and all of this stuff is indicative of how, you know, God favors them because God gives them material. So with that sort of psychology, the, the, the logic then is if you're poor, therefore God uh, doesn't like you. You know, poverty is then indicative of that God just doesn't, you know, doesn't like you. It's very, very like it's it sounds like the stereotypical like indian caste system where you're just the way that you're born if you're born into poverty then you deserve it that's essentially that's essentially the the line the logical line that that draws you to you know if you follow that train of thought that's the point that you get to is that if you are poor therefore you deserve to be poor that's the attitude right and if you're rich therefore you deserve to be rich um so now we are in a place where the general white society the the population of people who have given a tacit consent to the system to continue oppressing black people and oppressing other um groups of people in the United States but primarily black people black people are the you know the the benchmark for everyone right we you know we can talk you know they they always say black and brown nowadays they put them together somehow right but it's always been black people who have not only been the um direct like direct target for oppression in the United States but uh they have also been the front line of movements to expand rights that other groups have benefited from you know, other groups have, have not been on the front lines the same way that black people have and putting their bodies and and their, you know, their livelihoods and uh, putting themselves in the line of fire the same way that black people have. But again, that's another subject. So um, white society has always given its consent to what has happened to black people. But now that the problem is, well, okay, they, the reason that they've given this consent is because there are material advantages to it. You know, there's a material advantage to a share, or, or a, uh, uh, I almost said cracker, but um, the, the, the overseers on a plantation, right? Which I believe that's where the term cracker came from the people who actually crack the whip, because it's not going to be the slave master that's actually out in the field. The slave master is similar to, you know, one of these corporate heads that doesn't touch the product, doesn't know anything about the product. They just own it and they just profit from it, right? 
Uh, but then you have the people who are, you know, that the system hinges on these overseers. And they're the ones that crack the whip. And the reason that they will, you know, do do their job that they are hired for by the overseer um, is because there is a promise that one day they can also be um, an owner, right? The interesting thing about these these uh, overseers is that they're not too far off from the economic like level of slaves because these people don't own any land because they don't own any, own any land. Therefore they have to then rent themselves out to get a wage, right? You can't just go start your own farm. You, you have to have, you have to own the land to be able to farm. So if you don't have any land, then you have to figure out some other way of, you know, getting, getting, resources to live, getting money to go buy food and have housing and shelter and, you know, water and all of these things that uh, are at even, you know, just basics of living. And then on top of that, there's this promise of one day you will also be able to own slaves, right? One day you will also be able to own land and be um, a, a, an owner instead of a worker. And this mentality is deeply inserted and deeply uh, embedded in the foundational soil of the United States. Um, this thing of you will be able to, upon your own volition, be able to work your way up and become also an owner and not have to rent yourself out for a wage anymore, right? And that's why you'll have these people who will function as a cog in the machine to oppress other people uh, because then there's there's a financial incentive to that, right? Of course, none of this is um, none of this is 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 you know said out loud. None of this is. It is conscious, but there are, you know, there are ways that people try to uh, soothe their, like, guilt about these things and telling themselves certain things about what they do, right? Like, this is, this is my job, or um, this is, you know, these people deserve it. That's, that's on the far end. Eventually, that's how you get to uh, racism, Right? I mean, we say that racism is systemic, um, but it is systemic not in a, it's it's not like a machine that you see and you can feel and you can touch it. It is something that is burrowed in the back of our minds. Um, it's the response that, you know, your your instinct or, not, you know, not, not instinct, but... Um, your uh reflex when you are you whatever around a, another person you know a black person in a public place or whatever right that's that's what racism is it's the thing that is in the back of your mind that then ends up playing out in a system that uh makes sure to 
pull push these people into the margins and pushing these people into the margins is then understood by people's subconscious mind as like something that is beneficial to themselves financially or whatever right and on top of that there's the uh the superiority complex you know the the feeling of being superior than other people that i guess comes when um you know sociopaths run into a person who is poor right that you know they're poor for a reason and they're poor because they're the reason they are their own reason for being poor that's the psychology right um so my point in saying all of that is uh we are at a stage where white people are suffering the same way black people not the same way sorry you know let me let me uh pull that back white people are suffering in a way that they've never suffered before um to where they understand that life is not like their 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 outlook on life and on institutions is shattered that whatever that they used to believe is no, was never the case and that is a shocking realization and it's underlined um and exemplified by the video of um George Floyd being murdered on camera because you take all of these factors all of the the covid-19 and the economic crisis the 40 something million people who every week there's like another 4 million people who are reported and there's underreporting of unemployment right all of the economic distress people losing their homes and losing their cars and what happened in 2008 where you know uh houses and businesses were all getting boarded up um the the crisis has in a sense i think i i think brought some awareness at least some awareness of the potential for everyone to end up like george floyd that you thought that the system was fair but guess what at any moment you can have the life choked out of you at any moment for any reason all of the stories that we hear of police violence that has that you know happens to uh black people then can happen to you as well right um all of the things that black you know the the conscious parts of black society and and the uh the people who are su- supportive of it in the academic world i guess um you know th- when they when they would say things about like systemic racism and you know talking about like the epidemic of drugs and violent policing and things like that there was always some level of like pl- uh plausible deniability it was either plausible deniability about like black people not getting um you know that black people didn't you know police don't beat up black people and if they do beat them up there's a reason for it uh but then there's something like the opiate crisis the so-called opiate crisis you know when there was the crisis of crack cocaine in the you know 80s and 90s 
and up till this day, I guess uh, there's somebody out there that still smoking crack, but um, that wasn't an issue. You know, it wasn't an issue when there was heroin ravaging black communities across the United States in places like Baltimore and New Orleans and Detroit, uh, all these cities, right? You know, it wasn't a problem when, when cocaine was ravaging all of these black cities, places like, you know, places, parts of LA and cities like Oakland. Um, that wasn't an issue because this was either not true, you know, this is just black people crying again, uh, or it's something inherent about black people, you know, it's some, some inherent, you know, inferiority that black people have that is causing all of this, right? That's the explanation. You know, they just, they just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And this is the, this is the psychology and it's never for the most part, unless it's someone who is a white, an avid and devout, or, or, you know, someone who is expressly a white supremacist and, you know, out there with like swastika tattoos and whatnot. Um, For the most part, these things are insinuated and they're like, you know, there's dog whistling, right? You know, when they say dog whistling, you know, politicians will get on TV and they'll say something that is racist in a subtle way, subtle racism, but saying it so that the people who are racist can hear it, you know, like a dog whistle, you know, human beings can't hear a dog whistle, but the dog can hear it, right? So it's like when, when Donald Trump says, um, these thugs, you know, or all these politicians, not even him, he, he's not, that's an old one, right? The thugs one is a very old dog whistle. So when they say thugs, we all, oh, okay, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we know what you're talking about, right? Um, these things are suggested and they are insinuated because the conscious mind and the conscience, the conscience of people is then questioned if the awareness is there. If there is awareness, then the question is like, if you know that if you were to be, to, to have this said to you directly, black people are inferior there are people who are inferior and there are people who are superior. And it's it's based on their skin color and their, you know, their cultural or whatever, whatever arbitrary thing. Um, that puts people in a state of crisis where it's like, you know, do they actually believe this? You know, if they actually believe it, then, you know, what's wrong with uh, expressing these things? You know, obviously... If you believe it, then there must be a reason for it. Um, So uh, my point is, again, this is the psychology of America in general. And these, you know, white supremacy is not, white supremacy and racism are not like limited to so-called white people. Uh, Black people are... Yeah, there's plenty of, you know, black people also act out white white supremacy, you know. Um, so white supremacy is like something that is inherent in American society. And 
for the purpose really of maintaining again the financial and political powers that already exist you know it's the it's the landowner it's the slave owner the plantation owner right the plantation owner doesn't have an opinion one way or another about um you, you know ethnicities and their you know their inherent like uh their inherent like you know their them being um inferior or superior based on their skin color right because the the landowner knows better because there's something that the landowner has that immediately uh confronts them which is they are financially benefiting from this this idea so you know that the reason that you you know that there's a reason why you believe this thing because you at the moment right now are financially benefiting from this idea that black people are inferior right so take that same sort of knowledge and then you know take that same sort of concept and then place it in modern day america in that uh the financial elites they know that the political and economic structures right like make it a little bit more complex outside of like the the racism thing which is simpler because that was a simpler time back in um back in like you know slavery days and after that but that's not my point my point is like in the end the powers that be they don't have a dog in the race they don't care in the end it's all about maintaining the money and the power that they already have right but then you have people who are on the same level as the rest of society you know people who are um being beaten by police and being uh you know subjected to violence by police and violence by the state and violence by you know white supremacists uh they're on the same level as those people economically and financially but for some reason they have this thing in their head that they are somehow better they're somehow better than the person who is looting a, a an apple store you know this moralizing about don't loot um we have this conversation coming up now where they're talking about the looting that is happening and that's like that's a, a broad other subject which i want to get into uh i don't know whether i want to go ahead and start doing that right now because i probably might cut this out but i think it's important because following the rationales that they just keep coming up with is important in understanding how they try to quell all of these uprisings they try to insert you know all kinds of doubt in people's minds all kinds of division in the people that are out there protesting and creating this sort of like moral superiority in that oh you know that's a that there is a looter but that there is like a you know a peaceful protester and they're different that's a rioter and that's a peaceful protester right all of these tactics that they try to use to manipulate what's actually going on um you know in, in order to just continue as as was the case before the the status quo that's what we want we want the status quo to continue being you know black people being harassed and policed and black people ha- you know having all kinds of misery um 
just inflicted upon them and the inability to actually have any self-determination. We want that to continue. We want the the opiates to continue getting sold and people continue being addicted to opiates. We want to people to continue being uh, financially ruined because of a health problem because they don't have health insurance. We want people... Okay, so... I was talking about the rich and the fact that they don't care one way or another about whether black people are inferior or inferiority exists among certain ethnic varieties. All of this um, social Darwinism that is promoted by like hardcore skinheads and, and, you know, white supremacists and Ku Klux Klan members. Those people are not the people that have power. Ku Klux Klan and and white supremacists, they're not the people who have power. The people that have power don't care about those things. They care about resources. They care about having power over resources, power over people, controlling uh, governments and controlling institutions and maintaining their wealth and their generational wealth that they hand down from, you know, one generation to another and you know they make sure that their grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren are wealthy as well uh and that's what they care about um i'm under the uh, you know i i hold the opinion that um the rich do have a certain kind of of course they have in a, a superiority complex right But superiority on the level of like, you know, it's something inherent that you're born with, right? I'm superior because of the way that I was born, right? Uh, But their, I feel like their their idea of superiority is not really based on, for the most part, skin color. Because I think their their disdain, their, uh, their, their, you know... The way that they look at poor people, whether it's you know black Americans or poor white Americans or you know poor Latinos, you know uh, anyone who is without power and without money, um, they look at all of them as somehow genetically inherently uh, they are inferior by birth, the same way that monarchs back in the day looked at their subjects as something different than who they are because they you know they're they're the king the king is the king because god decided that they're the king right because they were born to royalty they're royalty because they were born into royalty and because that's just that's the way it is you know these these hierarchies are permanent and they are you know some some like solid thing uh that is not like what it actually is you know, what it actually is is some shit that human beings made up. We made up something called a king. Like, none of the institutions that we have exist in nature. You know, where is it that you have, you know, uh, uh, you know animals that have institutions and they believe that they are somehow, um, you know, somehow superior? You know, I don't think, I don't think lions think that they're somehow superior uh, over, like, gazelles right or zebras right in the in the jungle and in uh the natural world which all of these supremacists always try to use uh 
as like the foundation for why they are somehow better than other people. You know, it's because the genetics and, you know, you had uh, Nazi scientists back in the day do um, phrenology. You know, phrenology is actually, I guess it's older than that. That's actually like a very American thing where they would um, measure the skulls of like black people and, you know, make all kinds of um, uh, conclusions about the mental capacity of, of black people and the mental capacity of Jewish people. Uh, you know, people like Walt Disney and um, Henry Ford. Henry Ford, which wrote the book, I think it was called The International Jew. I found it at a library one time, you know, side note, that this man wrote a book where he classified all of the different kinds of Jews, right? <laughs> it's like the, the city Jew and the, and the you know, the, the Polish uh, rural farm Jew. And it's like, dude, who, <laughs> what is this bizarre, you know, these bizarre like theories that you know, that certain people hold? But rich people, of course, their bizarre theories are then inflicted on the rest of us. You know, I don't have to worry about uh, like an actual, for the most part, right? Like, you know, my neighbor who is of the same like economic status as I am since we live in the same neighborhood um, or a similar one. I don't have to worry about them really messing with my life so much uh, as I would with my employer. If my employer thought that they were better than me, then my life is greatly impacted. My neighbor can't really do anything about my salary and me being able to feed myself and all that. You know, my neighbor could give me a dirty look, you know, when I walk outside or something, you know, when I see him outside, uh, you know, or, you know, my neighbor, whatever neighbors can do that doesn't reach the point of like violence or whatever. But, you know, your employer can do that. You know, your employer probably has a a higher um, monopoly on violence than your neighbor does. So when your when your employer holds these beliefs that you're somehow inferior, they can do much more to mess with your life. Uh, and your livelihood. So my point here is that, again, the employer, the rich person, the landowner, the slave uh, plantation owner, they don't care about your skin color. You, they think we're all trash. That's what I'm trying to say. They think everybody that who, who is not rich as them is trash. And the funny thing is, even within their own society of like rich people, there is that same attitude towards rich people who are less rich because if you, even if you think of like Donald Trump Donald Trump is from a like a new money like no I, I no I wouldn't call it new money because it's been documented that I guess his like great grandfather or his grandfather was the one that actually like you know made all of the wealth and then handed it to his dad and then to him relatively he's new money to certain like ultra rich families like the Rothschilds for example right um but his family is like you know the in New York City they're like grifters they're known as grifters and they're these people who they're slum lords and that's how they make their money is you know by uh charging high rents in low income areas where people uh without many amenities and without services and um uh, maintenance and all of these issues, right? People who own slums. 
So within the elite society of New York that has the world's elite, really, you know, the Wall Street elite, your Rothschilds, your the rich of the rich, all of the, you know, Illuminati types, uh, your Jeffrey Epstein types. They look at the Trump family as, you know, like trailer trash. And, you know, there's a, there's a, I think, a resentment if you look at, you know, this is off topic, but there's a resentment with um, Donald Trump, obviously, with the rich. And this is, <laughs> I think this informs a lot of how he governs and how he communicates uh, a lot of like his disdain for like news media, right? Because that's, there, there's like a... a close close ties between like you know Hollywood and and you know news media traditional news media um established like um institutions i think there's a he, he there's like a level of um resentment that's the best word like resentment with the uh because he wants to be accepted with the other rich folks you know, it's like the it's like the popularity sort of thing in high school that, you know, where uh, the people who are not in the in crowd resent the people who are in the in crowd. Right. That's total that, you know, a little sidetrack there. Um, so. I th- again, just to kind of underline what I was saying and to conclude what I was saying, which I'll get back to some of the talking points about the looting and some of the other stuff like um, George Floyd's, his death and what could have been the other outcome, right? Let's, you know, next time we'll talk about the other outcome of what could have happened with George Floyd. So um, on the final note about this is essentially the majority the population that has made it the petty bourgeois, if anybody wants to uh, refer or look that up, right? The the part of, of society that kind of like holds up the rich, you know, they, they function as like a buffer zone between the ultra rich and the poor. You know, you have the so-called middle class that they always talk about in the news the middle class and middle class Americans and I come from a middle class family and we're middle class, right? Everybody wants to meet, be middle class, but nobody's actually middle class. That's, you know, there is no such, there hasn't been a middle class in a very long time. It's just like this ideology, you know, it's this thing that uh, people wear as like a badge, right? Nobody, you don't hear people talk about like, well, I'm a, I'm an upper class. I'm an upper class person. Why? Because that's going to create resentment. You don't hear rich people talk about how upper class they are. Like, you don't hear uh, Jeff Bezos and um, uh, the Facebook android, whatever that robot is, whatever his name is. uh, You don't hear him talk about how upper class he is. All these rich people. Because they know that builds resentment. And then, in contrast to that, all the poor people, you don't hear poor people talk about their their working class or their um under or their lower class. Nobody says that they're lower class, right? Uh what a lot of times what you'll hear is people who are, are actually lower class claim to be middle class, right? That's what it is. 
Like, the majority of people that talk about being uh, middle class are actually lower class people, you know, regardless of whatever material products that they have at their disposable disposal at that time. You know, most of those things are, uh, most of those things are, are, are debt. Most of those things are like cars that, you know, that people pay a debt for, people have houses that they pay a debt for or whatever, right? Uh, so most of the so-called middle class people are actually lower class, working class people. Really, it's the majority, there is no middle class in the United States, apparently, if if a financial if a a disease let's just say a disease right like let's say a pandemic or whatever disease can immediately bankrupt people you know if you forget about covid let's say somebody has like whatever some some uh, requires some operation to continue living yeah, or something comes up uh where they have to go get a surgery and it's not covered by their employer insurance if that can bankrupt you, if you can't pay cash for if you can't pay cash for healthcare, then you are working class, poor class, underclass. Right? So that's the distinction that most Americans are coming to in a very very harsh way. It is a what the, I guess what they call a rude awakening. The George Floyd murder is a rude awakening. And if it weren't for the other circumstances involved, it would have just been another one of those things where, you know, outrage is isolated to that one community, just like the Rodney King incident was isolated just to South Central L.A. and, and you know, the surrounding black neighborhoods of, of Los Angeles. Right. You know, the Rodney King beating didn't cause a wide scale like um demonstrations across the country we've had we've had that play out decade like so many times baltimore sean bell in new york city one of the first ones that i went and attended you know and i was just uh, disgusted by al sharpton and his like immediate um attempt at like (laughs) like taking it over you know the slick back huckster (laughs) but different topic Anywhere, all you know, all these places where it's happened. Ferguson, you know, in New Orleans, when when uh, the Katrina, you know, when the hurricane hit in New Orleans, and all these black neighborhoods got flooded, what were they talking about on the news? Oh, they're stealing TVs and they're stealing shoes. Why? Why is that? Why is that the the thing that you're paying attention to? You know, why are you paying attention to some TVs and some shoes? Because again, now it's like. It underlines the thing, the 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 fact, the fact that America values these petty products over the lives of Black people in America. They a a fake twenty dollar bill. You notice that they don't talk about this. A fake twenty dollar bill is worth more than a man's life, a Black man's life in America. That is a fact. That is a fact. A fake $20 bill is worth more. That's what they were saying. That's what that police officer was saying. That's what that stone, that store owner... Because that, stone, that store owner knew better than to call the cops. Because everybody knows. Everybody knows what happens. What, the, what is the potential to happen. That lady in Central Park that threatened that black man because he had his camera out and he was telling her to put her dog on a leash. 
she knew it was she knew what was the potential to happen. You know, there's a spectrum. They could come, you know, they could arrest him and take him to jail peacefully. They could come, they could beat the hell out of him and take him to jail, you know, uh, forcibly, right? They could come and they could shoot him right there where he stood. All of those, those three things are potential outcomes. And if he hadn't had his camera out and if he didn't have that, that footage and that, um, you know, uh, to, to show the, I guess, to show the police when they got there, we didn't see what happened after, but um, all of that, that like that, all of those three scenarios would have played out if he just happened not to have like pulled out his phone. And he was smart enough because he also knew what was the potential to happen to him. There, they, these are the potential outcomes and everybody knows the potential outcomes. But now everyone is subject to it. Everyone is subject to the same, to the same outcome now. You know, now everybody can get, you know, beat up and, and you know, murdered by the police. You know, everyone can lose their home and everyone now is a victim of the opioid crisis. Um, when, when they were saying that, you know, it didn't matter that crack and all of this mattered, but now it's happening in their communities. Now you have methamphetamine, you know, which ravages poor white communities, but it's because they ignored what was happening to black communities for so long. Now you are now a victim of the same thing. When you ignore what's going on with other people, it eventually comes to your doorstep and then now you don't even have the recourse. You don't have the moral foundation to ask for any sort of assistance or any sort of relief. You know, if, if all of this was okay with you before, then it should be okay when it happens to you. So that's, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much. Talk to y'all later.